listeners to episode 213. I am Andrew, and I am an executive here at the legendary marketing agency, Bastard Anus and Anus. <laughs> We've recently acquired a big name client, the Australian government, and they've entrusted us with rolling out their new campaign, COVID. Not that bad? Over at his standing desk, wearing a suit that can only be described as precious, my colleague Theo is sweatily reworking his ideas for pitches, such as 14 days alone in your house? That's a lot of Netflix. And, oh, you had something better to do than spend three months at home? How's it coming along, Theo? It's going really good. Um, I am kind of struggling with the uh, the little pink thing that comes out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. What do you call that, that bad boy? A pocket square. A pocket square. Not how he does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> certainly not. Sorry, were we talking about the my horrible, ill-fitting suit or the marketing ideas? Uh, whichever one you think you are closer to having a grasp on, I guess. Okay, well, better better talk about the marketing ideas. Um, <laughs> Just pushing that pocket square right down. I'm thinking maybe, like, how many vaccines did Anthony Albanese get us? Mm. Um, mm. Uh, blame Italy. Oh, yes. Yes. That's the one country you can say that about. Could yeah. I combine uh, your those two pitches into one pitch? Uh, where we start rebranding Anthony Albanese as Tony Baloney. Hmm. <laughs> so we're sort of riling up some anti-Italian sentiment and then implying, well, not even implying, he is Italian, stressing how Italian. Is it? Uh, Albanese no, is an work. Italian last name, right? Albanese. Yeah, yeah when I yeah, say it like Albanese. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's with the squid ink. Yeah. Yes. That voice that you hear is the voice of the man who, not five minutes earlier, was standing over by the water cooler with his mouth completely enclosing the cold water tap. It's Ben. He pitched me an idea earlier today that basically said, getting jabbed is bad when it happens in boxing, so maybe it's bad in a public health crisis too? And I think that's really going to cut through. Mm. Uh, As an alternative, I was thinking uh, we could uh, sort of try and take a... Well, it's bad, but what are you going to do? Approach to COVID. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. COVID. You can't live with it. You can't live with it. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Pfizer. What's the fucking rush? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. COVID. You can't live with it. You can't live without it if we have anything to do with the matter. AstraZeneca who? <laughs> well, it's no longer AstraZeneca anymore, so we've got to... Ah, that's right. They've rebranded it to AstraZeneca, I believe. <laughs> that's which I don't think is going to help one bit. No, I don't think it's going to help at all. This is called what? I'm taking my business elsewhere. Mm. The third rebrand will be AstraZeneca, <laughs> and it's only going clock. downhill. It's, <laughs> it's only going downhill from there. We could uh, start calling Moderna uh, ancient because uh, it's it's old and out of fashion now. Mm. Mm. Okay. We'll work on that one. Oh, that's on- the one where you decide that it's not good. <laughs> like in character where we've been just saying yes to everything we've said so far. <laughs> you waited until we got to one of mine and then went, mm, not that great, actually. Uh, that, that's correct. I, I, mean, I, think, just- I think put them up on the board. Put them all up on the board. All right. uh, and later on. Maybe have a few uh, few martinis, you know, a couple mm. of whiskey sours. Mm. We start tossing darts at that bad boy. <laughs> Quite partial to a uh, to an old fashioned myself. I love mm. an old fashioned. Love an old fashioned. 
so true. That's six of them for breakfast this morning because <laughs> we work at an advertising firm and a show that I have not watched leads me to believe that that's how we conduct ourselves. Fuck, it's so good. It's like the only show Theo ever talks about. <laughs> uh, you should watch it. It's a tremendous show. Okay. Hey, check out um, well-regarded and critically acclaimed show Mad Men. Uh, ad, ad Men. Ad, 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 ad Men. Sorry, yeah, yeah, they fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, because they work we're, like they don't work. They don't work in like an asylum or anything, right? No, they're not no. patients in an asylum. The only thing they're mad about uh, is ads. And right, you probably make some sort of pun there, but yeah. I don't know how you. And then, and then there's a lot, of, a lot on kind of mental illness and trauma and stuff in the show and uh, what, mm. what have you. I think as well. No, I think. And they live in Madison, the- no, Man- Manhattan. Manhattan. They live in Madison Square Garden. Madison in the Square Garden. Making That's ads. Right. Yeah. Yes, they live hmm. in the cube. That's Ad what man, I call folks. Madison Square Garden. Check it out. The Cube. <laughs> We're going to the Cube. Imagine if the reveal at the end of the movie Cube was that this was all taking place inside that big cube, Madison Square Garden. There is one person listening to this right now who is just like run over to a wall in the room they're in and hastily marked out <laughs> mentions of the movie Cube for this podcast. <laughs> Mention number 17 of the movie Cube. Is it about my cube? Now, look, at the agency that we are at, in order to inform our decision-making about these kinds of uh, ads and campaigns that we help to lovingly craft uh, to be shunted onto TV screens during episodes of Home and Away, we do a lot of research. You know, we do a lot of uh, investigation. We go out, we get on the streets, we ask people what they think, we contract the Delta strain. Because we should not be out there doing face-to-face polling at this exact moment in time. No, this really microphone literally is very dirty. Getting in people's faces. Yeah. Mm. Right in there. Ha- Thank you for your saliva, sir. <laughs> handing someone my pen and clipboard and saying, why don't you fill it in? It's fine if you chew on it. I've got more pens. Hey, Kiss the cough pen into my need. bolognese bag. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, we do a lot of that kind of thing. And most importantly, we do polling, we do research. There's another very important poll that we've done recently, and we're going to reveal it unto you on this week's installment of The Poll Report. All right, we have a little problem here, which is that I I thought I recorded the, the several minute long Polish National Anthem. Look, theme. I don't know if we need to do this to people a third time. I was so excited. Every time? It's so long. <laughs> Look, if you feel that you still want this joke in your life, you the listener, pause right now, go to youtube.com, look up Polish National Anthem and choose the longest version you can find. Listen to all of that. Come back here, resume the podcast. But if gotta, you don't uh, want that, you are welcome. I implore you to find a version with the lyrics so you can read those. Yep, about the blood of the homeland and keeping away. The horrible whoever they hate. Everyone yeah, I Romanian. Presume, following yeah. Napoleon's example, that kind of thing. Mm. So Ben, I am given to understanding that you conducted some important online research on behalf of this podcast that we are appearing on right now. That's entirely correct. Uh the other day I uh saw an Instagram story post from uh, a friend of the show, Cara, from Cruising for Reviewsin', uh, world's number one 
only Tom Cruise movie review podcast, which Andrew and I have both been on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was saying, is it true that Americans don't really use their handbrakes? And now that is not a stereotype that I had ever heard before in my life. Uh, and so I thought there's only one thing to do when faced with new information like that, and that is to Google it. And I did Google it, and I saw that there was some suggestion that that was the case, but I couldn't find any fucking statistics on it. So I took matters into my own hands. I went on a little web. I went on a little website called Twitter.com, and I did a poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I correct in understanding that Twitter is where you go to uh, get facts? <laughs> Yes, that's where I... Certainly if you want to know what's happening. If you well, want... it's number one fact-based website, Twitter.com. Data, truth, information, mm. clarity. Go to Twitter.com. There's a reason that's where all the journalists are. And they spend all of their time there. Don't you have work to do? Journalists? <laughs> that's my new thing that I'm doing. <laughs> uh, so the question that I posed was, do you... Uh, if you possess an automatic car, do you use your handbrake every time that you park? And then I asked respondents to declare whether they were American or otherwise. Now, uh, we got uh, quite a lot of responses to this, about 2,200 people. Of the 1,083 non-Americans, these people not from the United States of America that responded, 88.1% of them responded the affirmative, saying that they always use their handbrake when they park their car. That's right, completely sane, normal behaviour. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. and then 11.9% said that they didn't, which to me, bonkers. But I probably could have, uh, you know, non-Americans covers most of the world, it turns out. So you might have it's to have Italians some. Italians even. You we, might get some Canadians answering on that. Yeah, and they're sort of, they're their kind of proximity to America. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, in Detroit. Of the 1,206 Americans that responded, 36.7% of them responded in the affirmative, saying they always use their handbrake when they park. And then the remaining 63.3% said that they don't. So they just hold the, they just put the brake down the whole they, time and they never leave their car? Well, now that's what I would think would be safe. But I think what they're actually doing is that they're putting uh, their car into park. Mm-hmm. The little gear indicated by the P, mm-hmm. little P there, uh, which I believe is the P of the princess and the P, the story. Uh, they've they've put it into park. So you just closed your eyes for some reason. I'm, I'm not sure why you've done that. Interesting. Uh, so <laughs> they've put it in park and then they've taken their foot off the brake. Uh-huh. They've put both their hands up. They've yep. looked around. They've used their elbow to open the door handle somehow. Yep. Or they've, they've just hopped out of the top of their open-top Jeep. <laughs> their convertible Hummer that they drive, they have alley-ooped out of there, and then they've walked off and they've left the car in that state. Hmm. Um, and this is what they do every day of their life. Uh, which, you know, is bonkers, right? Like, that's insane. Yes, it's insane to me. Uh, my wife, wife of the show, my wife Eleanor. She, shout out to Eleanor. Shout out to Eleanor. She, she thinks that I that I pull the handbrake on too hard, right? So when I when I pull the handbrake on, she's like, Ooh. "Are we talking? Are we talking button or no button? Uh, button." Who the, oh, well, that was one of the fucking things in the comments as well that I don't even know if I want to get drawn into this because it's making me furious. All the people that are like, I love pulling it on without using the button. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? 
It's just a fun noise. It's not a fun noise. It's an awful noise. Fun clicky clacky noise. You know? No, it's not fun. It's like putting a putting a putting a playing card in the spokes of your bike. <laughs> tick, 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 I don't tick, think tick. that's. I mean, one's evocative of a sort of carefree, youthful abandon. The other, mm-hmm. to me, sounds like you're breaking something. The second one is uh, the sound of me with carefree abandon putting my parking brake on. That's that's true. But, hold on, I do, I do, I stick my button in. That's fine. You yeah, know. you do. Unless my wife's not around, then I wrench that bad boy. Um, but she, quick wife check. But she yank. <laughs> Uh, why don't you get out of the car and run on ahead? I'll park it. Don't worry. I'll pull right up to the door, and you can just hop out, and I'll park the car. <laughs> He's so considerate. Now she she's gone. Um, but so she thinks when I pull the handbrake up that I'm just like pulling it too far up, that I'm putting like too much tension on the handbrake, and I'm like, this is. No, he likes it like that. He does, for a start. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm just like, no, that's that's the mechanism. So, this is just one of these things where oh, I think she in her childhood, one of, one of her parents has been like, don't pull on the handbrake too hard. And she's like, internalized this to, th- to mean that you can put the handbrake on too hard. Like, I think you can pull it on like... So hard, like like turning like turning taps. You know, you can you can turn a tap off so hard that someone else in your house can't actually loosen it oh, or get I it going again. But... <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin can tighten a tap so much that oh Theo cannot get it open. It's infuriating. Well, she's got those Pilates hands. You know, <laughs> incredible ability to turn a tap with those. Uh, however, I would argue that you are not. In any risk of like making the tap or the parking brake non-functional, that's so, my opinion. I mean, probably it is probably. a thing that's under tension, though. Like, yeah. but I guess you wouldn't be able to pull it further than what it can take. You would hope if your car was designed by someone with a who, who was smart with a degree in carology. Yeah, <laughs> he went to car university. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. If you're talking about a steel cable. That is attached to a, a winch type mechanism. I think that there's no danger of you with your regular left arm pulling it so hard that you're going to snap this fucking cable or whatever, you know. That you're, that you're going to pull on your handbrake so hard that your handbrake is going to whiff out of the window while you're not driving. Yes, you don't want that to happen. Yeah. Mm. So, it is crazy to me. That sixty something percent of, mm. of these people are saying, no, no, I just, I just never ever use it. That's yes. the car's job. So, we, so we... I would love a mechanic to actually let us know whether this is bad for cars or not, because it just feels like it feels like you can feel the car kind of settling in when you don't mm. use the handbrake. It kind of settles down on its drivetrain. Oh, well, if only and, like, you're on takes a... some of that. A podcast with someone whose job it was to do the research for the things that you're about to talk about. Okay, well, and then well, have that information at hand. And I and I will I will say, Theo, just in terms of what we were just talking about, of the two things that you want to put the most pressure on in your car, surely one is the simple piece of steel cable, as opposed mm-hmm. to like your gearbox. Yes. You know? So, but before we get into the mechanisms involved here, I just want to. Uh, talk oh my about God, Americans for a second on longer. This you might well. Uh, here, here are some quotes from some of the people that responded to the poll. Some of the 
Americans, boo, uh, that responded to the poll. Uh, American that does not live on a hill. Why would I? That's one. <laughs> Only do it when you're parking on a steep incline. Now, that one seems like they're trying to give us advice, to which I say, no, thank you, sir. Uh, the only time the parking brake is necessary is on a hill of any kind. And then finally, and this one I believe you might have to read as if it was being delivered with some sarcasm or irony. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I always engage the parking brake every time I park. What if there's a catastrophic earthquake and fissures in the Earth's crust cause the car to roll away? Yeah, I mean, what if, what, what if there was an earthquake? What if you were wrong? Hmm. Well, let's find out. Mm. So, uh, there's obviously this is an odd thing to have as a cultural difference, right? Like, uh, there's nothing that different about our cars. One of the suggestions I've seen offered around is that uh, uh, for however long America has had a much higher preponderance of automatic cars. Mm-hmm. So, people just don't really get that familiarity with a handbrake that, say, your average Australian or European might. Uh, and another point of difference is that, uh, in, as far as I can tell, every state in Australia, in Australia, you are legally required to have your handbrake on when you park your car, regardless of where your car is. Uh, for instance, in Queensland, uh, if you are more than three meters away from your car, that car must be completely secured, which means you must have switched off the engine, removed the key from the ignition, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wound up the windows with a gap of... Sorry, wound up the windows, but a gap of five centimetres or less is acceptable. So, that's good to keep in mind if you've got a smelly car, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to lock the doors and you have to apply a handbrake. You have, you have to, to do lock all that. the doors. Yeah. Legally. If you're more than three, well. He's, oh, God. I what? hope Caitlin doesn't find out about this because I, I just walk away from the car all <laughs> the time, right? And um, she's like, you're going to lock the car? And I'm like... Yes, and I'll reach to my pocket and lock the car. <laughs> it's not start, any start kind of like, your pockets like you're going to pay for the check. You know, yeah, and oh, it's not through yeah. any kind of like stubbornness or anything like that. I mean, it is now, but like, <laughs> I mean, I always just think like, there's there's nothing in the car. Are they going to steal the floor mats? What sort of car do you drive again? Uh, 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 Skoda. Skoda. Yeah. What color is Shkoda. it? And what White. street do you usually park it on? <laughs> <laughs> uh. So let's let's get into the nitty gritty here. Uh, so when you the when you don't have your handbrake on when your car is parked, the thing that is keeping your car in place. Now, whether if you're on a hill, obviously this is the thing that stops it from rolling. If there is say a strong wind, it is the thing stopping your car from rolling. If your car is hit by another car, this is the thing that will stop mm, it from rolling. Always concern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing that's doing that when your car is in park, when an automatic car is in park, is the parking pool. Now, this is not a man called Paul who's <laughs> holding onto your car because that would be very difficult to arrange. <laughs> Thank you, parking pool. You've done it again. Ah, uh, but we have fun on here. <laughs> uh, some fun. Uh, no, it's not a man. Uh, it's a small, small metal pin uh, that locks into a notched wheel that's on the output shaft of your transmission. So it's got some teeth on it. This little pin goes clunk and then it finds a groove and then it mm-hmm. clunks into that groove. So that's why you were describing that, say, you put your par- car into park, you take your foot off the brake and then it rolls a little bit you and then it stops. You know, settle into one of those, uh, one of the teeth. Yeah, so that's it finding its spot in the parking pool. 
So that's something that this did for me is making me realize why, like, constantly in American movies, people are, like getting out of their cars and their cars are rolling slightly forward. You guys mm. ever notice that? Yeah. Always like, oh, I'm getting out to get a coffee. Bam, car rolls forward a little bit. You're like, what the fuck's happening with your car? Well, that's because they're not putting, taking any of the strain off with the handbrake or parking brake. They are putting the entirety of it on uh, the parking pole, which means you're putting all of the stress on, you know, your drive chain components there. Uh, I'm going to read a quote to you from the website Drivers Ed Guru, which sounds like a terrible website, but honestly, I, it seemed quite, quite all right when I was looking at it. Uh, the parking brake is called the parking brake for a reason. You should use it when you park your car. Many people think you only need to use your. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Many people think you only need to use your parking brake, also called the emergency brake, when parking on a hill or if your car has a manual transmission. This is incorrect. Whether your car is a manual or automatic, the terrain is hilly or flat. You should use your parking brake every time you park. The car is held in park by a device in the transmission called a parking pole. The parking pole can break or become dislodged, and the car will roll away. Granted, there is low chance this will occur, but there is a chance nonetheless. The parking brake will hold the car in place while it is parked and will help protect the transaxle, constant velocity joints, and transmission. A parking brake is capable of a stronger hold than only putting it in park. Of course, you still need to put the car in park. Additionally, if your car was hit while parked, the parking brake would provide further stability, lessening the risk of your car rolling away. You should set the parking brake while your foot is still on the brake pedal and before shifting into park. This reduces the strain on the parking ball now once i read that that stops that little rolling bit doesn't it yeah but i then started like i can't think of what like the muscle memory of the order that i do that in i definitely put it in park first and then put the parking brake on yeah i think i do too (sighs) but i think i have my foot on the pedal for the entire yeah Yeah, absolutely because otherwise it's gonna roll away yeah some something that also just like broadly doesn't make any sense to me about saying like, oh, well, the only time I would use that is on a hill is the idea of trying to make um, an activity that is so process and muscle memory driven have discretionary components. Yeah. Yes. Like like the, the whole thing with driving a car competently is doing the same things over and over and over again. Like... You know, doing a head check over your shoulder before you change lanes, even if you're pretty sure that there's fucking nobody on the road with you. Yeah, like opening your beer can while you're driving without making the wheel squiggle. You want to practice that as many times as you can. You just always do these things. And if you always do the same process of, I pull up with my foot on the brake, I put my car into park or first gear, and I put on the, the parking brake, and then I get off the brake and get out of the car, like, then you don't have to think to yourself... Is this enough of an incline for this to be an issue? And should I put it on this time? Just just do the same shit every yeah. time, over like, and over again. Ideally, when you get in your car, if your handbrake wasn't on, you should have that same, like, expecting a stare, but not finding it mm. kind of feeling of being like, whoa, whoa. Man, it's just weird. Americans, strange breed. And if only there was some other way we could celebrate the deep, deep breaths of American strangeness. Ben, do I have wonderful news for you, my friend. It turns out someone, very smart and handsome, invented a segment (laughs) in which we will talk about this very matter. It is, of course, the Great American Hall of Name. 
This is, of course, the segment where we explore the rich traditions of Americans giving themselves just very idiosyncratically American-sounding names in a way that's hard to define, uh, but is just wonderfully rich. It's a rich tradition. Now, the way that we conduct this segment is I try and find long lists of American names, mostly Mm -hmm. through major sports. This week, I have chosen a sport that is not particularly major. Are you guys familiar with cornhole? Yes. Now, I am extremely pro cornhole. Mm-hmm. Theo, you look a little confused there. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with my cornhole. <laughs> How familiar? <laughs> I mean, I try and I can find it by a touch alone. <laughs> I try not to be a stranger. <laughs> Um, you might know the sport cornhole maybe by some of his other names, mm-hmm. uh, like bags, bago, mm-hmm. beanbag toss, mm-hmm. dummy boards, mm-hmm. doghouse, mm-hmm. sacks, mm-hmm. beans, mm-hmm. beanbag, mm-hmm. bean in the hole, mm-hmm. ramps, mm-hmm. and if none of those are ringing a bell, maybe you know it by its other name, dad hole. <laughs> Kids, you want to come out the back and play dad hole? Uh, dad's dad hole it again. <laughs> Kids, I've had six beers and I'm ready to chase you around the backyard for some dad hole. So, uh, corn hole is you've got a board on an angle, there's a hole in it, and you've got a sack of what was once filled with corn but is probably filled with plastic beads now, Mm. and you you try and get it into the hole or on the board. I picture it feeling just like those, uh, you know, the microwavable wheat bags. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they're real, they've, they've got a very satisfying feel. Kind of very satisfying they? smell too. Mm. The lavender ones? Come on, now. Oh, no, just, yeah, the, I mean, just, just, just the wheat smell. by itself. Oh, is... I like the lavender ones. Mm. Okay, each their own. Takes all kinds. Uh, so to get this list, I got about uh, f- like thirteen hundred to fourteen hundred names deep uh, in the twenty eighteen standings for the American Cornhole Organization. Uh, and I was just down to regular people at that point, I think. Like, <laughs> these aren't competition. Well, I mean, they're entering contests, but, you know, these aren't, yeah, they're not household names. Uh, but without further ado, here are some of those names. Mickey Pope. John Hammer. <laughs> Ricky Bachelor. <laughs> Seth Drain. <laughs> Austin Swan. <laughs> Jerry Stallions. <laughs> Eddie Rubel. Chris oh. Tingler. <laughs> Missy Box. <laughs> Hollywood Page. Yes. Heaven Baker. That's- Preston Street. <laughs> so that last one sounds like like a like some weird porno version of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Bobo. <laughs> Bobo Lamb. <laughs> Sandy Peacock. <laughs> Sandy Pe- <laughs> Terry Tryon. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like a weird, like, 
80s school ground insult. Oh, you're being <laughs> such a Terry try on right now. Uh, Bobby Mumper. <laughs> Tanner Halbert. <laughs> Dawson Cleland. Dolson Cummings. <laughs> Delbert Rhodes. <laughs> Channon Thomas. That is Channon Chan- with a CH. Channon. Yep. That's, someone's just taken Channing and Tatum and put them together. <laughs> they have. Gage Foreman. <laughs> Trenton Breeden. Brody Swink. Brody, Brody Swink. <laughs> Bill Cottongame. God damn. Cut a hip. <laughs> Slade Tomberlin. <laughs> Clifton Whitmer. Tevin Maddox. It is T-E-V-I-N. It's Kevin with a T. Randall Garrison. Jackson Garrison. But that's Jackson spelt J-A-X-S-O-N. You can't do that. Craig Arbogast. Craig Arbogast Jr. (laughs) Dalton Hardy. Ace Rogers. Third Heiter. That is third as in the ordinal after second, and heighter as in height plus an ER. Third heighter. Cannon Hatcher. Cannon. Yep. Cannon is a strong name. Berkeley Pear. (laughs) Berkeley is spelt B E R K L E E. Berkeley Pear. DJ. (laughs) DJ Long. PJ Trotter. <laughs> CJ Slug Ants. <laughs> Come on now. S L U G A N T Z. Slow Ride Cantrell. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> David Diesel Dave Vaughn. Tim Scooter Huffnagel. <laughs> Terry T-Bone Dawson. Yeah. And I've got a final two names for you here. Michael Mann. Hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Where's Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which I boy. believe both of them to be the directors of the same name. Amateur cornhole is on the side. It's beautiful. Uh... While we're talking about the Great American Hall of Name, yeah, um, on that site that we all know and love, Twitter.com, a uh, friend of the show, Kia, who's um, Duck Honkin on Twitter, was watching the baseball and he was like, what's up with the names on the guys from the Israeli uh, baseball team, the Israeli national baseball team? And I started looking at their names which uh, were all names like those, those those classic Israeli names like Mitch Glasser, Ty Kelly, uh-huh. Scott Scott Bircham, Nick Rickles, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of names like that. And when I started looking into it, it turns out that uh, pretty much all of the players on the Israeli twenty twenty Olympics team. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry for uh, Scott Bertram. 
who played for the Colorado Rockies, uh, some other some other teams in Major League Baseball. In November 2019, he obtained Israeli citizenship so he could play for Team Israel in baseball at the 2020 Summer Olympics. Uh, then we've got Jeremy Black, uh, who obtained his citizenship in late 2019. Then we've got Nick Rickles, who... Uh, let me see here. It was on the roster of the 2020 Olympics. And that, so I started looking into it and they're all players who used to be in Major League Baseball. They're all American born, uh, like Jewish American players, used to, used to play in Major League Baseball. A lot of them went on to be in like uh, Team USA at various Olympics and stuff like that. And basically what happens is Israel says... Hey, come over and live here. You only have to like um you only have to basically like visit Israel and we will give you dual citizenship uh pretty much immediately. So everybody goes out and hangs out in Israel for several weeks and then they say, "You're a citizen now," which means you can be on our Olympic team. Which, you know, don't know if I really pretty, feel like pretty it's good super, scam. If it's super in the spirit of the Olympics, no. What they <laughs> should do instead is uh, have a mandatory two-year and six-month uh, conscription into the Israeli Baseball um, <laughs> Association. <laughs> now, if they did that with everybody instead of the other thing, instead of the other thing, maybe, maybe they'd they'd be you know doing doing different it's stuff. Be, Who say? Bit of improvement. We're just big baseball heads over here, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Are you tired of paying nothing for the same old superior quality free episodes of the Bunta Vista podcast? Do you want less politics and more content about diarrhea or animals gone wild? Are you tired of skipping through those hours upon hours of paid product placement for Mark Wahlberg film Shooter? Well, boy, do I have the offer of a lifetime for you. That's right, for just five US dollars a month, you too can be a premium VIP member of the Bunta Vista Patreon. That's right, just five US dollars for all of our bonus episodes. That's over 300 hours of content from the hosts you know and definitely tolerate. I'll even throw in access to our glamorous and exclusive Discord server, where bizarre arguments only happen once or twice a week at most. Head to patreon.com slash buntavista. Sign up in the next five minutes and I won't know because that's not my job, but you'll be enjoying the sweet satisfaction of supporting us and we will love you romantically for it. That's my promise to you. Well, that's one kind of news. <laughs> but on this podcast, is that the only kind of news you're going to get? No, no, we no, have no, several. no, 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 no. Several kinds. I mean, I don't know if learning about handbrakes is news or if that's just education. I'm, I'm so I'm 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 happy. I know where the what the bit is holding it in now. Mm. Yep. Uh, and hey, you could say whenever you learn something, that's news to you. You know. Hmm. So you know you can learn things about uh, about handbrakes, about the Israeli baseball team, and of course, another category of stuff. How is this still going? <laughs> this is the segment that we call the shipping report. I'm itching for another edition of the Shipping Report. That is right. It's the Shipping Report. Our zero jokes. It's deadly serious. Uh, catch up of the last seven days in international shipping news. Let's go. 
Uh, Ten 40-foot containers of rubber wood were swept off the container barge MCL Premier in the Andaman Sea, all of them washing ashore on several resort island beaches. Does it say whether or not the wood was still dry when it washed up? I did not see any information to that effect, I'm afraid, no. Because, like, that's going to ruin that wood. It, it might, yeah. Mm. That'd be a shame. If it's dry, that's great news. Uh, the bulk carrier Zen Yuan Shud contacted the embankment and catwalk of a... Oh, I'm so burby at the moment. Jesus, I'm going to just start <laughs> that one again entirely. Okay. Uh, the bulk carrier Zen Wan Shun contacted the embankment and catwalk of a ferry pier on the Huangpu River in Shanghai while proceeding upriver with a cargo of industrial sand. This motherfucker really fucked that embankment up. It's right in there from the pictures that I saw. And, and that's quite a gentle euphemism mm. when talking about a... Uh, a a shipping a carrier containing contact, yeah. containing industrial sand, contacted the embankment. Oh, uh, what? Hmm. It sent the embankment an email. <laughs> <laughs> to whom it may concern. <laughs> I just fucked your shit up real bad. No joke. Uh, oh, I am sorry. Sorry. Uh, the general cargo ship Sambo Two sank in Budai Port, Taiwan, after strong winds pushed her into the port's breakwater. There's a typhoon in the vicinity, I believe. Oh, that's no good. So, uh, can, does anyone want to explain breakwater to me? Maybe someone who lived on a boat for some formative period of their life? Yeah, that would be a, a sort of a uh, a rock wall or similar structure that's used to protect the harbour from, you know, the outside elements, from your yeah, waves and such. Oh, so it's not actual water. No, breakwater is uh, it's a wall. Hmm. Well, there you go. I, hey, I just learned something. That's news to me. The aggregate carrier Indy Nermitalia 07, carrying 2,200 tonnes of cement, ran aground on a coral reef in West Papua. Don't do that. I was uh, carrying huh? some bags of cement around recently, and let me tell you, stuff's pretty heavy. Did you run aground on a coral reef? No. Hmm. That's did probably for the best. Did it fall into the, into the ocean and form 2,200 pounds of concrete? That seems bad. They didn't say. Okay. Whenever I, I think of uh, running aground on coral reefs, I think of the scene in Castaway when uh, Tom Hanks is trying to get off the island and he gets washed back in and then he like he stabs a big hole in his leg on a piece of coral underwater. Mm. 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 Screams like he, he yells while he's underwater. Oh, very, very visceral. You know those movie memories of like somebody getting like stabbed with something that just make you go, <laughs> when you think no, about it. No, thank you. Like yeah. uh, like Green Room, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, mm. let's not even describe what happens in the Green Room, green room scene, because that is... Uh, if you've seen uh, it, real heads know. Stay with you forever. The wood chaps... Uh, <laughs> wood chaps. The wood chips carrier Crimson Polaris. Wonderful no, That's name. a strong boat name. It's a very that's cool name. Well, unfortunately, it broke in half uh, off of Chinohe Port in and the bottom and <laughs> the, the bottom the front that's not the opposite front the, back. the back yeah the back and the front terms. both fell off uh it broke off in hachinohe port in japan after dragging anchor and running aground off the port's breakwater andrew you'll recall the breakwater from earlier uh-uh. See, uh, now, least- now I'm, I'm tapping my temple now i know what's up <laughs> at least one half of the ship was subsequently refloated how i have not much use yeah i yeah 
You need both ends much of about ship. boats. That's right. You need a front and a back. Can't just be cruising around in half of a boat. If if James Cameron's Titanic taught me anything, yeah. that you need the whole boat. And the whole door. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go start a Facebook account about that. Yeah, and, and that should be your only joke. Uh, <laughs> the general cargo ship Hagland Borg, mm-hmm. en route from Frederikstad to Trondheim, was disabled by an engine room fire and taken under tow to Idahaven. It's a shame and they weren't carrying any industrial sand. I could have put the fire out with the sand. Yeah, that's a good point. An unnamed 65-foot luxury motor yacht sank in Italy after it was hit by a wine tanker. <laughs> now... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mamma mia. So... Mamma mia, indeed. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm currently trying to picture a wine tanker. Look out. It's 3,000 tons of Sangiovese. <laughs> now, well, I've Googled wine tanker, and it's showing me something that looks a lot like, uh, you know, the the trucks that carry, like, like fuel in them. Milk and petrol. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what, or, like, the, the planes that carry fuel in them, except it's for uh, refueling um, Italian fishes uh, out on the Mediterranean who get a bit low. I guess I'm, I'm looking, a little top. Huh. I'm looking you know, at a picture of one now. And the, I don't know if this happened to you as well, because your Google algorithm might be different. But mm-hmm. when I Googled wine tanker, the first result is the wine tanker that hit this yacht. Hmm. It's the only C- wine tanker. Cesare. 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 That's Ooh. very... What an odd coincidence. That's so strange. So oh, I guess uh, a, what, the, I, what I'm trying to... It's on... Th- I thought the wine tanker was a boat. Yes. It is. Oh, I'm seeing images of trucks. Yeah, yeah, you need to put in wine tanker boat. Oh, wine tanker boat, okay. I'm looking at a very fun truck, though, that is shaped like a big barrel of wine. That's pretty cool. That is fun. Uh, so what, I, what I'm trying to picture with a wine tanker is, are we talking about a, uh, like a... If 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 they were just carrying like many 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 cases of bottles of wine, it would just be a shipping container ship, right? When yeah. when yeah. we say wine tanker, we're talking about like a massive hold filled with thousands of liters of wine, right? Yeah, and they're just dipping a so. hose in there. That's uh, like that. It seems wild to me that that exists. If that is the case, huh? Uh, sorry, I'm just reading about this. They used to do it with beer, where they would just the, they would have giant purpose-built tanks that were just full of the stuff, and then they'd unload it on the other side into barrels. That is wild. <laughs> the first ever dedicated wine tanker was the Bacchus, a converted cargo ship launched in France in 1935 with a capacity of 337,000 gallons of wine. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, but what are we having after dinner? <laughs> uh, I do have... Should Ooh, we do a have... second tanker or are we, we all done? You guys... <laughs> you guys, wait. <laughs> Would you guys we'll go another... I do, have a, I do have a news story here that may be relevant to our interests. It's one minute long. And in fairness, it is about the kind of wine tanker that travels on land. Mm-hmm. I know that this is the shipping report, but... um. I don't know if you guys have one minute of time to listen to this. I'll allow it. Okay, here we go. 
was a most unusual heist in California. Started, it's going viral as you can imagine. All right, check out this guy in his underwear. He tries to overtake this tanker truck, which is hauling uh, wine, and uh, the driver wouldn't stop because he's like, this guy is nuts. So he takes off. Well, you can see the guy actually jumps on the back of the tanker truck, and then he starts <laughs> chugging the wine out of the back of the tanker truck. All right, so this driver is like, police, you've got to haul this, you've got to get this guy off my truck. So they were finally able to pull him over. Uh, the guy just said was, um, they don't know what was going on with him. but Nothing like uh, see, <laughs> driving around in your underwear, mm -hmm. seeing a wine tanker and immediately thinking, I got to have me some of that wine. Just going gonna, immediately going war boys. I'm going yeah. to try to pull out in front of the tanker first in my 1998 Honda Accord <laughs> and just slow down until he stops and lets me drink the wine. But failing that, I could simply jump on there and chug wine out of one of the holes. That's a pretty flawless plan when you think about it. Well, I, I mean, feel like you need a keen eye to notice that it's a wine tanker, right? He was all over it. Yeah. I mean, uh, kudos to that man. Kudos to friend of the show, the man in his underpants who jumped onto the back of a moving truck and chugged a lot of wine. Hmm. And congratulations. <laughs> who says there's no such thing as a free lunch? You know? Dreams can come true. Dreams can come true. Oh, that's beautiful. You see some wild things out there in the world. And you also see some wild things... Out in the wild, like we do pretty much every week in Nature Corner. <laughs> He's done it. He's pulled off the triple axle. I cannot describe to the listener just how beautiful what I just... I, I just watched something truly phenomenal. Andrew miming an eagle taking off while Theo is miming a happy dancing crab. <laughs> oh, it's just beautiful when men feel comfortable to express themselves, you know? It's oh, true. God. Is that what we're doing? That's what, that's, you <laughs> are being who you really are for a few shining, beautiful seconds. i got to get out of here and go to confession. <laughs> Honey... Now, what I've got for us here is a story that uh, long-time listeners will recognize as a bit of a running theme. And new listeners, to you, I say, welcome. It's Ooh. so lovely to have you. Come hey, in. sit down. S sit Get down. comfy. Uh, this is from WGAL News in Pennsylvania. The Wagal. Uh, search underway for marsupial on the loose in Pennsylvania. Now, that is, of course, Pennsylvania, the state in America... Mm -hmm. Just to be clear, the search is on for a wallaby in Lebanon County, Pennsylvania. The, the, the marsupial has been spotted over the last few days in the Mount Zion area, south of Harrisburg. Everyone wants to catch a glimpse. Each day I stop here on my way home just to look for it, Dave Berger said. <laughs> now, Dave Berger... Uh, Good name. This is the only wonderful name. This is the only sentence he contributes to this article, and he's never mentioned again. 
We're not told who Dave Berger is. We're not how, told what he does or how, how he relates to this. How'd they get in touch with him? Is he just a guy? You Call, there. <laughs> calling up the newspaper. Hey, uh, you guys need to speak to anybody about that wallowy? This is amazing. Uh, like, I guess he, he was there at the spot where people have been looking for him and they're like, hey, you looking for that wallowy? And he says, you bet your ass. Now put this in the goddamn newspaper. Each day I stop here on my way home just to look for it. Every fucking day. Uh, game warden Derek Spitler is also looking for the animal in the hopes of catching it. We want to do it in the safest way possible, and we want to try and get that wallaby to a facility where it can be well taken care of, he said. Cocking a big rifle. <laughs> yep. Sharpening several swords. Uh, some people are worried the wallaby could get hit by a car, and the Pennsylvania Game Commission said a coyote could be a predator. But the wallaby is mostly attracting humans. They have a lot of people coming out in the last couple of nights looking for this thing. So people are interested in it, Spitler said. You can keep a wallaby in Pennsylvania with a permit. The Game Commission said no one in the area has a permit. <laughs> I am I am honestly shocked that they need a permit. Yeah, that's... Uh, Pennsylvania, I assume, a far-left state run by Marxists. Well, I mean, obviously the permit system isn't working because there's a guy with a wallaby <laughs> and there's no permits. Why do you need a wallaby in, you know, Nobody. Lebanon County, Pennsylvania? Nobody needs a wallaby. Is this going to turn out to be one of those things where they pronounce it differently? Is this Lebanon, well, Pennsylvania? Because we got a lot of stuff about the Mackinac Bridge and I don't want to go through that shit again. It's true. We received uh, many... Oh many emails about the Mackinac Bridge fiasco. It's the worst. Uh, honestly, I'm not even looking at our emails right now because all we got over the last week was uh, answers to Andrew's question about people detailing their poly situation, which I'm very happy for all of you. Mm -hmm. I simply don't have the time to read the volume of responses we got. No, uh, I, I also I didn't really need to know. I just wanted to uh, present the idea that we are tolerant. And I think I, I think I, <laughs> I successfully did that. And then when uh, all the letters started rolling in, I was like, "It's only so far." Only all so right, the, far the primary stress in Lebanon County is the Leb, so we're, I think we're all right. We're safe. Okay. Yeah, Americans, you know, they just gotta have their fucking like. You can't just get a dog. Mm -mm. There's so many different kinds. We of We don't dog. even keep wallabies here. No. If someone told me that a pet wallaby, I'd like, oh, you work in like wildlife rehabilitation and you're fostering one. Yeah. They're yeah. Like, no, I have it in my apartment in Kensington. You'd say, <laughs> let it, let him go. <laughs> Put him back in the bush where he belongs. Send him back to the wilds of Pennsylvania where he can roam free. That's right. I hope he's happy out there. Yeah, me too. He's a big guy. From the photo that I saw, big for a wallaby. Got a big boy? Small for a kangaroo. Though. Well, yeah, but he's not a kangaroo, so he's not. Hmm. But if he was, yeah. be a bit He'd on be the small. small side. My understanding yeah. is that once it gets over a particular size... It becomes a kangaroo. Yeah. Kangaroo <laughs> is wallaby's dad. Yeah, it's like ponies and horses. Yes. <laughs> I, I know nothing about ponies. I'm for for example, be, you know... you know drawn the, on this. You know, the like the dwarf ponies... Like little uh, Shetland ponies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like th Those are just ponies the whole time until they die because they never got big enough to be a horse. And that's a shame. That's nature. Every pony dreams of becoming a horse. That's so true. 
Not for everyone, though, you know? It's not for everyone to become a horse, is what I said, Ben. It's not. For- who's got Who's got the ball right now? <laughs> <laughs> who's taking ownership? Hey, a wallaby. Now that's a pretty weird animal to have in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But you know what's a weird animal to have anywhere? The humble cuttlefish. That's oh, normal to me. I'm doing a podcast. The Weird to be just about anywhere except like hanging in a budgie's cage. Yeah, mm. that's the primary place they should be. Yeah. Uh, this is a press release from the University of Cambridge. Cuttlefish retain sharp memory of specific events in old age, unlike humans. Oh. Study finds. Fuck you. Got us. Cuttlefish can remember what, where, and when specific events happened right up to their last few days of life, researchers have found. The results, published this week in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society B, are the first evidence of an animal whose whose memory of specific events does not deteriorate with age. Researchers from the University of Cambridge, UK, the Marine Biological Laboratory, Woods Hole, Massachusetts, and the University of France <laughs> conducted memory tests with 24 common cuttlefish, sepia officinalis. Half of them were 10 to 12 months old, not quite adult, and the other half were 22 to 24 months old, equivalent to a human in their 90s. Huh. That's I'd, whack. I don't think that's equivalent, just personally. No, it doesn't have the rich wealth of experience to draw on that a human being in their 90s would. Think Although about it. They, uh, at 12 months old, <laughs> at 12 months old, you're Kate Winslet's character from Titanic, and a mere 12 months later, you are the old lady who's pretending to be hmm. Kate Winslet's character from Titanic. I don't think a year old, they I mean, are she's... completely sexually mature. <laughs> she's I can already to see the frustration character. on your face here, man. <laughs> In the sense that she's acting. Kate Winslet is also <laughs> pretending to be Kate Winslet's character. Talking it's to, all pretend. Talking to James oh, I Cameron. Thought that was a, I thought that was a real survivor. Talking to James Cameron, carrying so, her emerald around or whatever. So I'm playing, <laughs> I'm playing Kate Winslet's character in the movie Titanic. Yeah, but old, but old. And Kate Winslet is playing Kate Winslet's character, but young. Oh, uh, James Cameron's giving direction to her. So you're up here on the deck, you know, everything's great. You're here with your beautiful boyfriend, Billy Zane. You got your whole life ahead of you, like a 12-month-old cuttlefish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cuttlefish can remember what they ate, where and when, and use this to guide their feeding decisions in the future. Oh, hell, man. I mean, that's me right there. Mm. You You also remember where your food is. Well, I also remember if I ate at a place and I if, and I liked it, I say, hey, we should go back to Corbicue. Yeah. Get some you might more remember that- for a whole year. Yeah. Get some more of that, that crispy octopus, you know. What's surprising is they don't lose this ability with age, despite showing other signs of aging, such as loss of muscle function and appetite, said first author Alexandra Schnell of the University of Cambridge's Department of Psychology, who conducted the experiment at the Marine Biological Laboratory in collaboration with MBL senior scientist Roger Hanlon. As humans age, they gradually lose the ability to remember experiences that happened at particular times and places. For example, what we had for dinner last Tuesday. Hmm. Hmm. This is... What? 
What did you guys have for dinner last Tuesday? Fuck. Oh, that's a good question. Fuck. I it didn't work I might last be, Tuesday. I, may, I might be dumber than a cuttlefish. I think TV I, show, are you dumber than a cuttlefish? Are you dumber? Let <laughs> me just check my work calendar. There might be some, <laughs> some see, I made in there. tacos. Let's just see. Well, it was Tuesday. I made it was Tuesday. carne asada tacos, and I had about nine of them for dinner. While I was sitting in front of the TV, well, I was yeah. at the in-laws' place, and we had. That's in your work diary, of course. And we had no. It's a very regimented two, life. Two two diaries <laughs> at once here. Uh, no, can't remember. Andrew lasagna. I oh. probably had lasagna. Could have been anything. I've been in. I've been in lockdown for a week now, and I've gone crazy. <laughs> Uh, crazy hot because of what you've done with your hair. You look fucking fantastic. And again, this is an audio medium, but mm-hmm. I need you to imagine that Andrew has cut his hair high and tight uh, and he has bleached it blonde as fuck and it looks fucking sick. You look great. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, we'll see what happens at work tomorrow. So we'll see what kind of normie comments I get at work tomorrow. When you hop on that webcam. That's right. Cuttlefish do not have a hippocampus. <gasps> and their brain structure is dramatically different to ours. The vertical lobe of the cuttlefish brain is associated with learning and memory. This does not deteriorate until the last two to three days of the animal's life, which the researchers say could explain why episodic-like memory is not affected by age in cuttlefish. To conduct the experiment, the cuttlefish were trained to approach a specific location in their tank marked with a black and white flag. Then they were trained to learn that two foods they commonly eat, grass shrimp, which they prefer, and king prawn, were available at specific flag-marked locations and after specific delays. This training was repeated daily for four weeks. Then the cuttlefish's recall of which food would be available where and when was tested to make sure that they hadn't just learned a pattern, the two feeding locations were unique each day. All the cuttlefish, regardless of age, watched which food first appeared at each flag and used that to work out which feeding spot was best at each subsequent meal time. The old cuttlefish were just as good as the younger ones in the memory task. In fact, many of the older ones did better in the test phase. We speculate that this ability might help cuttlefish in the wild to remember who they mated with so they don't go back to the same partner. Such behaviours might promote gene spreading throughout the regional population, said Chanel. So they have developed flawless beautiful memory mm. so they never fuck the same fish twice it's yeah weird. they've they've developed the kind of memory that allows them to uh look at the door of a pub and go oh it's my ex fuck 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 oh fuck i gotta get out of here i'm yeah. going to the other spot with the king prawns <laughs> i do prefer grass shrimp but <laughs> i don't want to have sex with that ex again i'm going to the king prawns So that's just another way that uh, cephalopods are better than us. Hmm. They're also so uh, pure of spirit. <laughs> that's true. They're noble of intention. I think more I've arms. mentioned this on the podcast, but uh, last time I did acid, I watched a lot of squid content uh, on, <laughs> on a TV that I was sitting three feet away from. And I just got the overwhelming impression that they're up to no good. <laughs> Like, specifically, there was a bit where I became quite convinced that some cuttlefish I was watching were had developed some sort of evil priesthood. Uh, I can't 
articulate that particularly well because I was on acid, but um, I was just like, yeah, this this checks out. God, these guys are fucked. Mm. Try acid if you get the chance. Wonderful, wonderful drug. Well, if they were in an evil priesthood, that would support my decision to eat them. Thank you for your service. Yeah, whereas like everything I see while I'm not on acid makes me go, ah, oh, octopuses, uh, remember your birthday from five years ago and bring you a gift. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Fuck, I gotta stop eating these guys. I gotta stop Octop- going to Corbicue and getting the crispy octopus. <laughs> octopuses are the most thoughtful active listeners in the yeah. natural kingdom. <laughs> but how does that make you feel about it? Oh, God. Studies have found that octopuses aren't just waiting for their turn to talk. <laughs> <laughs> They're also waiting for you the opportunity to crush you under an anvil or maybe a large piano. Maybe Apparently, once it comes around, yeah. But do we not deserve it? That's all I'm saying. Anyone who's seen the Jason Momoa uh, documentary Aquaman. Wonderful. Haven't seen it. Wonderful film. You gotta support Australian filmmakers, Theo. And watch Aquaman. Taika Watiti. No, he James He's not James Wan. Australian. James Wan. Director of Did you direct the first Saw movie? Did a bunch of fast fastests and Fury Ices. Haven't seen them. Yeah, it's fine. Me neither. I feel like I'm gonna have to watch them all one day, but it hasn't happened yet. The fast fasts and furiouses? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I haven't seen the latest one, but I, I otherwise I've seen them all and I like them. I, I oh boy, I've do seen, I like them. I think I've seen the f- I want to say the first three, maybe four. Seven is a phenomenal movie. It's the best in the series. Seven. I haven't seen nine, so I don't know. But seven, you really get a, a lot of Kurt Russell shining through in a very oh. beautiful way. Yeah, It's Kurt Russell in number seven. K-Russ, baby. Okay, I'll watch that. I'll watch Big that fella sure. himself. Anything from the man Kurt, you know? Aging like a fine wine, that man. And Facial hair a- of the gods. He does. He wears a beard very well. Some of those moustaches he gets, like bone mm. tomahawk and stuff like that. Mm. Gotta love it. Beautiful man. That's right, folks. We recommend Kurt Russell. What are the Check things we've recommended so far in this episode? We got Kurt Russell, Acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting your handbrake on. Putting your handbrake on. Yeah. That's about Leaping it. out of your car, just in only in your underpants. Yeah. <laughs> to, to chug wine from a moving wine. wine tanker, yes. An act with zero downsides. Yeah. And yep. really, isn't that all you need in life? Safe car, free wine, Kurt Russell, you know? Deep psychedelic experience that changes how you think about things. Yeah, I would like to do that, actually. It's been a while. Well, I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah, I think we've reached That's the end of the podcast. Okay. Uh, it looks like we've run a little short this time. It's only one hour long. <laughs> <laughs> I just did a uh, guest appearance on the podcast, 10,000 Posts. That one went for an hour and a half. And they were like... So- somehow, every-, every time I guest on somebody else's podcast, mm. it, goes- it goes very long. And there's no way we could draw any inferences <laughs> from that whatsoever. Nope. Everybody claims it's because of my... A calm, relaxing voice. It is relaxing. They are lulled into a hypnotic state in which I talk to them about uh, the Matrix and its many parallels to the modern world of posting. And I explain how uh, I think that 
if uh, the Matrix was happening now, Neo would be an anti-vaxxer. So please check out the podcast, 10,000 Posts. Check and out the podcast, 10,000 Posts, Acid, Kurt Acid. Russell, drinking wine from a moving wine tanker, mm-hmm. putting a handbrake on. Joining the Israeli baseball team. Yep. And, <laughs> and finally, uh, check out shop.buntavista.com. Snag yourself a little little t-shirt, maybe, you know? Little tote bag. What of the other things we sell? Hat. Mm. Stubby cooler. Let's jump yeah. up. No, there's no stubby coolers on. <clears throat> well, that's it for us, everybody. <laughs> Thanks very much for stopping by, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.